into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. in the doghouse. Rough, rough. Rough, 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 rough. That's right. This is a Cleveland Browns podcast now. Ow, woo. Dog pound. Are those, is that a dog related thing? Yeah, the, the, they, they uh, should have picked an animal. Right. As you know, they're named after a guy with the last name Brown. Um, I didn't so, know that. Yeah. Do you not know this? I skipped the whole thing. I don't pay attention to football. They, uh, have a mascot that is a dog, like a goofy, sort of like a Disney knockoff dog who is the color brown, and uh, their fans are called the Dog Pound, D-A-W-G. Seems like they could have just gone for the Cleveland Dogs. Cleveland Dogs. I mean, and now they are, um, how do I uh-huh. put this? Signing dogs. They have signing Now they're signing dogs. dogs. That's bad right. Dogs. They have a rapist as their quarterback. <laughs> And but. that's what you meant by dogs. Folks, you only get this here live. That's a little insulting America to podcast. dogs. Apologies to any dogs listening. Apologies to any of the dogs listening at home or in the car. Maybe you're at work or doing laundry. We're back again. There's no Jake. Jake is on tour. I tried to look up where Jake is. At a laundromat. He was at a laundromat doing his when we recorded well, last time. He's... He's not another laundromat, is he? That's actually a genius tour move to go from laundromat to laundromat playing shows because you only have to pack, like, one change of clothes. Keeping it just, clean. Yeah. That's just right, clean Andrews. Spot. You got that Instead of, in lieu of a drink ticket, you get a couple get quarters. free laundry. That's right. This is a wonderful career we've chosen for ourselves. <laughs> you get $6 in quarters if you travel to Nebraska today. <laughs> what the hell is with... I used to be annoyed by... The quarter thing, uh, but it is leagues better than the the card. Well, yeah. Well, I could see you specifically having a lot of trouble with the card, <laughs> and okay. I mean that in the most respectful way imaginable. Uh, yeah, just thin um, plastics. Yeah, 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 me. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got Did enough you, as it is in my wallet. Yeah, I could see you end up eating them sometimes. <laughs> you make them the right color, they're gonna look appetizing. It, it's Alex and Andrews again. Get used to it. When does a card Idiot. become a wafer? There's been all this discussion about what constitutes soup, what constitutes a burrito. When, when does when, a card become a wafer? I would say when it's made out of food. Fair. I mean, one man's food is another man's plastic. One man's food is another man's plastic. Welcome back to the show. We got a wonderful program for you today. I wanted to start with uh, politics and news, as that is what the show is. But now that we're already talking about like dogs and football and stuff, should we just talk about football now and we'll do the other thing later? Uh, sure. The magic is alive. Now that the magic zone, is alive? <laughs> in this dog pound riff zone. Um, it's funny. There are, I've realized this about football. There are, sometimes I feel derivative as a news comedy Politics podcast. No. But there are three million... You came up with, when does a card become a wafer? 
Yeah, try hearing that on the daily. Uh, they have like 3 million podcasts for each NFL franchise. There's like just a thousand. Well, I just said a million. Now I'm downgrading to a thousand. It's, it's closer thousand. to a thousand. Yeah. Uh-huh. Podcasts for every team. They're like Titans Corner, Titans Land, uh, the Clash of the Titans, Clash of the Podcast. Like they, uh-huh. we could easily get in on this. Uh-huh. And if we think of the best name, we can trick people into. Yeah, thinking we're a Browns podcast. What can Browns do for you? I'm sure some of them have had to fold now because it's, um, yeah, it's it's tough to be a football fan right now. I have never been but. less confident in myself than as a Browns sports commentator. <laughs> <laughs> there is no more uh, dream where you went to school in your underwear for me than showing up on a professional football podcast. <laughs> what is happening in football? Everyone is very... I've seen people uh, tweeting all week that they've watched football their entire lives, but they believe it should not be played anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, Big there change. Was a, so <laughs> Monday night... about Ultimate Frisbee. No, you don't, because they don't have... You, you know what? Let's switch with Ultimate Frisbee. Two-hand touch football, okay. which I believe is how you get out or you get stopped in Ultimate. In Ultimate? And tackle uh-huh. Ultimate Frisbee. Okay, Full-bodied. Yeah. I'm for it. Pads, helmets. Um, yeah, no, Monday night, there's a game. I'm sitting down, and this is what I love about football is people always complain about how slow it is. There's so much time between plays, which makes it the ultimate sport if you are a multitasker. So It's I, also a sport t- for big boys. I mean, maybe not as much as baseball, because baseball you don't have to move at all a lot of the time. Oh, you mean? In terms uh, of- yeah, in terms of big old boys filling yeah. out them jeans. Um, okay, and so these big boys, uh, they don't got to run for too long. They just got to run a little bit and slam into each other with their big bodies. Um I mean, what will happen if they take away football? They can't all play baseball. No, I'm. I am. Do you see how skinny the ultimate frisbee players are? <laughs> they can run like ten miles. They're like soccer players, pretty much. They're gonna have to beef up. But I, I am of the uh, fix not Knicks um, <laughs> team. I've always said that. But uh, to just to recap, on Monday night, I'm sitting down. Bengals, Bills, great showdown for the AFC, um, and they're like. Less than one quarter in, and there's a defender on the Bills who uh, tackles a Bengals receiver, T. Higgins, and then the defender uh-huh. gets up, uh-huh. looks fine, and then the next second he's just dropped to the ground, unconscious. Um, you th- and this sort of thing happens all the time. Not not that people get unconscious all the time, but people get injured. Sometimes they have to be carted off the field. They fall to the ground one way or the next. Right. A lot of falling to the ground. Uh, and the, uh, the ambulance comes on, people are crying, and the next thing you know, the game is canceled, this guy's in the hospital. I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, I was planning on getting some work done, you know, looking back and forth, having it feed my ADD, uh, but now I'm glued to the TV to make sure that this gentleman is all right. Thankfully, he persevered. Um, some people credit this to the power of prayer, uh, but he is communicating his first question when he awakens, is uh, who won? Who won the game? Uh-huh. And that, I, that's what I would ask if I was a professional game player and I passed out in the middle of the game. Sure. But the answer given to him by the doctor was, uh, you did? America. Uh-huh. Basically, yeah. they were like, you did. You won the game of life. 
which is wow. like not what he asked. And I think actually a much better answer. Stop the just, doctor who wanted to be a football player. <laughs> I mean, it's is probably someone like you who yeah. doesn't follow yeah. football, doesn't know how it works. Uh, <laughs> The better answer would be the truth, which is they canceled the game because everyone wanted to make sure that you survived. Uh huh. So was he just like? Did his spine collapse, or what? There's something happening so with his lungs. His heart. It. Uh, he was nudged he in the heart, heart, and there's been a, a few people, a few jerks who are trying to blame this on T. Higgins. Um, hey. And it's. It was kind of a. The truth is, the heart is fair game, and I'm for completely revamping the game of football. The truth is that this was kind of a freak accident. Uh -huh. Like it could have happened to. I mean, and, and I was reading after that there was a game of lacrosse where somebody died because they were hit in the heart by the lacrosse ball. Yeah, dude, those things fucking kill. Have you ever been hit with one of those? Feels in like a ass, weapon. I have in the ass. <laughs> yeah, it hurts in the ass yeah. a lot. That's actually one of the the reason one of my butt cheeks is smaller than the other. Anybody who signs up to be a lacrosse goalie, I think, wants to die. Yeah, I mean, okay, maybe, fair enough, maybe they should make some changes to lacrosse, too, but, like, the point is, this, I don't know. <laughs> Get a hollow ball. <laughs> yeah. That's the main change. I think the red, I mean, a lot of it's kind of similar to football, other than that. Um, yeah, people saying the sport is too violent, all the CTE is dangerous for society. I'm going to devil's advocate here. Okay. I think you have to accept you live in a blood-soaked warrior culture that has the, uh, 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 sits upon the tre treasure trove of empire on a mountain of bodies, and that we should be playing uh, blood-curdling skull games. And this is the one that we have to kind of safely <laughs> replicate that. If anything, we should go the other way with it. Pick maybe instead of, I don't know, two teams of ten, we have two teams 11. of five. And Ooh. each one is kind of a legend in their own way. Kind of like fan-controlled football. They do. The, they have, like, shorter, smaller teams. Sure, and there's three lanes, and these legends go down the lanes, collecting weapons as they go. They have minions that they uh, walk with, and they have to kind of compete in a league of kinds. And America is ready to make this change, I think. Um. Okay. I mean, I, I see your point. I think America should have a league of legends. <laughs> I cede my time. Uh, fair. I mean, that's a that's a fair point. There. I mean, it's always argued that like, oh, well, they're all getting paid a million dollars anyway. Damar Hamlin, mm -hmm. who I should mention, that's the name of the the guy who was knocked out. God damn shout out I, of the week. I think he may have legally been dead for a second, and I'm not kidding. Um, very scary stuff. He uh has not has yet to make a million dollars. He you know gets a few hundred grand a season which is more than most people make uh -huh. certainly more than i make but like if you consider all the medical costs and the fact that you can only play this game for a limited amount of years and we don't know yet if he can even come back at all um he's that's fine. not that much i don't think it's that much he's I think, fine and because of that and just you know Give i'm not new heart i don't like <laughs> the fact that uh and this is this is maybe a little dark. Andrew's but. choking on something over here. What is it? Well, the, okay, so there are documentaries that uh -huh. come out that I'll watch about, like, Junior Seau yep. or Aaron Hernandez, people who committed suicide after having CTE, mm -hmm. and the football fan Was Aaron me, Hernandez the guy who killed killed that other guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He took, yeah. He committed suicide and also murder? Right. Right. And the football fan in me and other football fans look for the things in the movie that are like, oh, well, maybe it wasn't just CTE, like Aaron Hernandez- had a bigoted father. Uh -huh. Junior Seau also had a very mean 
father. Maybe that was why. Maybe but no, fathers are the problem. Is right. that, is that, that where fathers? Is that what you want? No, we should. Oh, we I should. That's where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no more fathers. We should eliminate. I think CTE can easily be eliminated by major changes to the game. I think uh, some people have argued that it's just the fact that there are helmets and pads, which just make you uh, hit people harder than you would like in rugby. Uh-huh. Um, however, rugby has rugby tackles, uh-huh. just like the waist down, which they could easily do in football. Um, people would throw a goddamn fit. We get rid of their waist up tackles. That's the why they're psychos watching the game. Would. I mean, that's why we're getting so fast. The thing, if you think about like some of the most fantastic legendary plays in football, they're like crazy passes or catches or interceptions or kicks or like a kick, the kick bounced between the forks of the field goal. That's the excitement of the game. I, I feel like a lot of people, like half the people who watch don't necessarily even like the violence of it. There's so much more to the game that you could still have. If you did two hand Dutch, if you did flag football, which they will be doing in the pro bowl. And we'll see if it's a giant disaster, a Southwest airline style disaster, the flag football pro bowl. I think it's going to be fun. I plan on watching, and uh, I think they could move to that if they wanted to, and uh, okay, a lot con- of people would still watch. Consider this. We have the game of football. There's no more field. There's no more pitch. There's three lanes. Instead of a quarterback, we have a dragon who summons meteors down onto the enemy team, crushing them and killing them, and they're dead. This is a robo-dragon? No, it's just a standard dragon. Where do you get him? No need to put a hat on a hat. Are we importing this dragon? I don't know where we're going to get it. That's not what I'm in charge of. I'm a big picture person. We're going to 3D print a dragon? Uh, I wanted to go back to your other point, too, as well. Um, okay, I do. Uh, I want to get to the point of Marxism-Leninism where we believe in abolishing fathers. You know how in like, 19, <laughs> in like 1915 or whatever, when they were like, we're about to pop off with this revolution thing, there's going to be some big changes around here. Uh uh, a few years from now, we're going to abolish fathers. Everybody's going to be raised in a Soviet group camp together where there's like a uh, group father. And, and together we have a hundred nannies who are the uh, super parents and, mm. and raise the uh, the crash of young children. The Koresh? David yeah. Koresh. You don't see anybody sticking by that anymore. We need to go back to our roots. I mean, it's a it's, uh, powerful argument. It's funny you mentioned that, you know, real uh, Andersley stand-up fans will know my father is kind of intertwined with, with football because he is the logo of my favorite team. The Minnesota Vikings. Yes, that is literally my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you abolish him, then I guess you would have to A abolish. beautiful tribute, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's worth talking about and thinking about. I don't know if... Uh, <laughs> if I think it went badly the first time, and that's why people kind of moved past it, but... I mean, you would have to get Hakeem Jeffries. Didn't he say F is for fatherhood? I am unsure what the F was for in his speech, but we do want to get around to that. But uh, let's let's circle back to that in a little bit. Okay. We have a wonderful Hakeem interview Jeffries does the, does the ABCs. Uh, yes, we. If you um, are a, a some of you have been listening to this episode, you're thinking this is off the rails. Well, you know what else is off the rails in this country? Airplanes. Airplanes. Should we fix or nix airplanes? That's another thing. I am a fixer. I think we can have flag foot professional flag football. I, and by the way, it would be like seven days a week because you wouldn't have to relegate it to like one day. Um, that sounds exhausting. Yeah, I know. So if you hate football, I guess your solution is to uh, just destroy all of it and ban it forever. 
uh, and make me sad. But a lot of people are also anti-planes. They think planes are inherently toxic and pollutant. And I also think we can do something about that. Uh, you got to nationalize, first of all. And we make so much corn and beef in this country uh. that we don't need. Think of a. I mean, there must be some way to run planes on corn I'm or waiting, beef. I'm waiting to see how this segues into the interview. <laughs> I'm all I'm saying is uh, there are things they, we can do with they're energy. They're cars on corn, but right? I think it was like worse I think that for the environment, work, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> but there's some. There must be some other thing, maybe from the corn silk instead of the ethanol. Check um, back on corn. Go yes. back to the corn lab and we fix are, planes. We are going to fix planes. We're going to fix football. In the meantime, we're going to fix the uh, debacle that is the holiday season transportation situation. Uh, yeah. Last week, I was stranded. I missed the podcast. My yeah. plan was to land um, on top of Jake's apartment. I was going to emergency. Were, it was an ambitious plan down. to begin with, I'll say. Yeah. But, uh, make it, it before midnight. Out. I did make it before midnight. Anders was trapped house. in Pittsburgh and then showed up at like 11 for the party, which was pretty dope. Yeah. Um, Timed that out pretty nicely. Uh, but I, did, I missed the podcast thanks to one Mr. Secretary Mayor Pete, <laughs> who we will be discussing with our guest. Let's go to the tape. We are now joined by Andrew Perez from The Lever News. Andrew, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, we, we, we're sort of past the holidays, uh, depending on which god you worship um, this week. But the last week, tremendous meltdown over the skies and in the airports of the country, especially with one Southwest Airlines. Um, what happened here? What was this? What was this mess? How did it begin, and uh, are, are we still picking up the pieces? Sure. Um, so, I mean, I think it did begin with some bad weather kind of throughout the country um, that caused, you know, cancellations across, like, all airlines. But um, when the weather passed, um, all the other airlines were, you know, up and running as normal or close to it, and Southwest was canceling, um, like, three-quarters of its flights for, uh, you know, actually, I think before Christmas to uh, to maybe right around the New Year or just after. Um, and, you know, it seems to have been caused, um, that that issue, the sort of cascade effect seems to have been caused by um, the, their computer systems are, like, really, really antiquated. Um, basically, they just couldn't, uh, w- once flights were canceled, their systems kind of didn't actually track like staff being left in place. So, um, you know, their, their, their computer systems, it seems like sort of just assumed that, um, that their team had actually made it to the next, to the next leg of the flight and could, could get onto, um, get onto another plane. And that just wasn't the case, obviously. And, you know, you saw these meltdowns where, you know, passengers, passengers were like stranded in, in these airports for days. Um, you know, some of them, uh, you know, didn't have their luggage at all. You know, Southwest Airlines is one of the, maybe, maybe the only airline that doesn't actually uh, charge you a, a ton of money to uh, carry on your, or to, to check your bag. You know, that's why, so so less people, uh, fewer people actually carried on bags. And what ended up happening is, you know, people are without, in some cases, like the medicines they need, um, or just, you know, any like change of clothes for days. And, um, and And their staff were also sort of just stuck in the airports too, in the same way. So what are we talking about here? Like Windows 95 on these things? 
How does this happen? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I've seen staff saying that it's like basically decades old. Like, like, and it's other airlines have all kind of like improved their systems, and Southwest just hasn't. Um, and it seems like you know the the unions that have have been complaining for for some time now about this and warning that like this would create a real big you know travel issue one day and. Um, you know, they basically just didn't really invest in it. Um, they've, you know, invested money elsewhere. <laughs> they've, you know, like obviously all the airlines, you know, tend to tend to pay out um, big money to executives. Um, I think Southwest just restarted its dividend program um, just right around now. They, they they made that announcement a few months ago and it was set to, to go into effect uh, in December. Well, you mentioned Southwest is, is um, sort of known for being uh, good to its treating its customers well, not charging too much for, for carry-ons. Um, I remember reading in Ralph Nader's book, one of his books, strangely enough, he inserts kind of like a plug for Southwest Airlines and, and their great customer service, which is always kind of strange to read. He just kind of like wanted to show that he's not against all corporations or capitalism. This has um, been your Green Party shout-out. <laughs> but they did have... And have had a pretty good reputation uh, in, in consumer circles for a long time, but that has kind of started to change, especially now. Um, how has that trajectory gone? How did they kind of end up here? Yeah, I mean, I think you know they weren't one of the airlines that experienced like the giant meltdowns over the summer. They, or at least, I don't think that they were kind of the primary uh, issue then, um, but. You know, I, I I do think you're going to see them take a take a pretty big hit um, from from a consumer perspective because yeah they they have been known for um, you know decent customer service they they also I think have you know more flight paths than a lot of uh, than a lot of these you know big carriers um, so which you know you might even see that change too you know you might you might see them um, you know rely on hubs more than more than they have in the past. Um, not to say that's a good thing, right? That's it's something that would be uh, fairly annoying for customers, but um, you know, it, it might improve the reliability quite a bit. Uh, we were just covering the um, the U.S. train industry during the big, uh, you know, uh, strike showdown with the government, and talking a lot about how the train companies operate in a near monopoly state where they are essentially just allowed to act at. Uh, let's say less than efficient capacity in order to get maximum payouts. Is there a similar thing going on with airlines? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, in large part because they are regulated under the same, uh, the same framework, right? Like the same kind of uh, union law applies to, to both of these um, uh, industries. They're one, one of the few industries covered by the railroad act. Um, and, you know, so it creates this uh, setup where, you know, you have these unions, they like, it's sort of like a definite that you will be represented by a union, but you know, it, it keeps them from having any kind of power because, um, or, or at least substantial power um, because, you know, there's an understanding that like the federal government's not going to allow, uh, you know, big strikes or, or anything like that to, to really you know, impair um, national travel. Um, so that's definitely an issue. And then, yeah, it means that, um, you know, in the case of the railroads, uh, Pete Buttigieg, the Department of Transportation Secretary, obviously the 2020 Democratic primary candidate um, and, and former uh, mayor from uh, from South Bend, Indiana. Um, Politics all star. 
politics all-star, just, you know, just really everywhere, real, a rising star. Um, you know, so he had some involvement in the, uh, the railroad, uh, you know, contract and, and sort of strike shutdown. Um, but, you know, he has a more prominent role in, in the, as actually the chief regulator of the airline industry, right? Like, you know, there have been these preemption, this preemption law that um, has, has shunted kind of everything to the DOT. Um, you know, state attorneys general have, you know, pretty much nothing they can do here. Like there, there's nothing they can really do from a consumer, uh, from a consumer protection um, perspective, other than, you know, sort of playing. And we, we did see this with the DOT in, in Congress to really crack down on the airlines. Well, yeah, I mean, we, so I, I just mentioned uh, Ralph Nader earlier, and unfortunately he's going to take a couple L's uh, today, but he no. was, believe it or not, a supporter of the Airline Deregulation Act in 1978, which is very odd to look back on in retrospect. It had Nader, Ted Kennedy, signed by Jimmy Carter, uh, set the stage for a lot of this stuff and kind of, as you alluded to, made the DOT head sort of the pinpoint of regulating airlines. There was a, a much larger structure uh, for the state to, to have authority on, on you know, the, the airline industry, which it, it no longer has. Um, what should he have he been doing, given he has this, this power, um, let's say starting with this summer, where there were uh, slowdowns and cancellations? Um, what, were, what were some of the authority, some of the authorities that he could have used um, to prevent uh, what what just happened last week? Because you know, there's been a clip circulating of him on Jimmy Kimmel, I think this summer, which I believe he hosted at one point during the pandemic. Uh, but he's saying it's that a natural talent. You have to have him on. Yeah, <laughs> can't pass up the chance to have Pete Buttigieg font of <laughs> charisma. Your late night television show. <laughs> uh, but like, what were some of the things he and, and he promised? almost promised on that show that it's going to be better by the holidays and it got worse. What were some of the things he should have been doing in that uh, intervening period? Yeah. I mean, I think they could have been fining the airlines, right? For, um, and this is what attorneys general have been calling on them to do is to, you know, impose fines for cancellations and delays that are not just weather related or, or unavoidable. You know, if you, if you, if you impose big enough fines, they would, they would not really be in this situation, right? Like they wouldn't be, you know, what we saw in the summer was that they were actually, you know, pretty understaffed coming back from the pandemic. It sounds like they didn't hire everyone up this, that, that they had before. Um, so, you know, you saw these cancellations on flights where the airlines should have known or did know that they didn't have enough actual crew to, to carry out the flights. Um, you know, so that that's sort of the main thing. And, and you know, that's actually what we're seeing now. Um, like just just this week or just a few days ago. Um, the Department of Transportation said that they are going to uh, that, that that they believe that the fines aren't enough that they have on the books already. So they they want to start issuing bigger fines, you know, for consumer protection violations. Um, and that that's something that you know attorneys general and, and now House Democrats have been calling on on uh, the DOT to do for for quite a while. Um, and it definitely could have you know avoided some of this. But obviously, in the case of Southwest, they you know need to clearly lean on them to 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 actually upgrade their systems because it just doesn't sound workable um, in, in this you know current environment. Right. Just a quick correction. It was actually Corden, in case uh, anybody's going to get out of my case or switching my jeans. Uh, it was Corden he was on, so maybe he does singing on that episode as well. Um, but there have, and this is what his defenders 
uh, Secretary Pete's defenders will point to is there have been record fines issued during this period. Um, but what what do they leave out of, of that equation uh, in terms of those, quote unquote, record fines? Yeah, well, so they did impose um, some fines related to refunds a few months ago, um, you know, refunding passengers for their for the flights that they you know were supposed to take and that were canceled. Um, but, you know, what, what they what they continue to leave out um, is that all of those fines were assessed on foreign airlines and then frontier airlines, which operates like two percent of of the U.S. market. None of the major carriers were affected at all. When, you know, those are the like those were the same airlines canceling flights, right? Like those were the, the other airlines were primarily responsible for for those issues in the U.S. like over the summer. So it was, you know, it's just a total I mean, really, like if they read the press release, they would know like, oh, this is bullshit. But, you know, here we are anyway. They're just still, you know, berating us. Um, and it, it's it's actually been kind of funny, funny to see because, you know, they've been yelling at us for for reporting on this, like saying that we like left this shit out, but like they just read that if they read it, they'd be like, Oh, this probably isn't actually applicable to like, this doesn't cover any of the airlines that like actually, you know, are the, are the major carriers in the U S. So zooming out and maybe this is silly, but uh, all right. So these companies just got billion dollar bailouts during the pandemic um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend the democratic and like, obviously the system itself is a disaster of our private airline system, uh, operating again at near monopoly paces. I'm not going to pretend that the democratic party is on the verge of replacing it with some kind of nationalized system that will, would, would work better hypothetically or, uh, instituting some kind of major change like that. But is there anything besides fines that the government can do to make this turn around? Anything at all? Yeah, I mean, I think I think they could definitely, you know, probably start with imposing fines. But yeah, I mean, the broader issue here is is corporate consolidation. Is that the uh, is that the government has allowed these airlines? To, you know, there are four uh, major airlines in the U.S. that that control like eighty percent of the market, um, and, and that's the real problem here, right? Like that is the big problem. And you know, the other the other problem is, of course, all of these airlines report to Wall Street. Like they all, you know, they all have put tons and tons of money into, in, into like enriching shareholders and enriching uh, corporate executives. Um, so, you know, and, and they've been allowed to charge all these like junk fees too. Like just, you know, if you look through your ticket, there's like a hundred dollars in fees every time that you're just like, what the fuck is this? Those, you know, those are big issues. And those, you know, those are, those expenses, you know, add up for people and, you know, you you have to think that the system would be a little better if 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 uh, if, if there was a different focus here, and if if there was you know more uh, you know more regulatory oversight and just tougher tougher enforcement. And of course, uh, the only reason we're interested in this, any of us, is uh, bitterness over 2020 and uh, the fever dreams we wake up from, where Pete Buttigieg has declared victory. In Iowa, um, that's what we we can't get over, and we're still uh, opining on. Um, but uh, I I did see uh, an interesting take on on Pete. He he had a statement where he said, you know, we've been criticized for being too tough on the airlines uh, and too harsh, uh, which is not really true. But this is a strategy, um, quite similar to what they do at McKinsey, where they'll say 
just the opposite of what's actually happening um, and, and, you know, exaggerate just a lie, basically. Um, how has his work at McKinsey, you think, um, played? Because he's, you know, it's, he hasn't been a, a tra- public transit official. He's been a mayor, but I, it, it seems like the most applicable work to this, um, especially considering who, who's, you know, reaping the benefits from all this, has been his career as a consultant at McKinsey. Um, do you see any direct parallels between his work there and head of DOT? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's definitely this issue where he is not, you know, not uh, not going hard enough on, you know, giant corporate interests. And, you know, McKinsey, you know, in, in recent years has, you know, sort of uh, actually publicly laid out strategies for, um for airlines to just pad profits by uh, by increasing the fees that are charged in these in these tickets, you know, these sort of like junk fees that are added onto every ticket. But um, you know, it, it was pretty amazing. You know, the Wall Street Journal did uh, give uh, Pete Pete a real assist here, claiming that uh, claiming that he was going too hard on the airlines as is. You know, it's just it's it's total nonsense. Give um, him a break, Pete. <laughs> yeah, you know, the Wall Street Journal says you're going too hard you got it when the editorial <laughs> page says that you got it you got to trust it <laughs> they have the consumer's interest in mind right um well i mean and there's been a lot of speculation about what's going on in pete's mind is it just sheer incompetence uh i don't know if i buy it he seems like a smart guy is it uh corruption you know i don't think he's necessarily on the take literally from the airlines or is it just ideology like does he just believe so strongly that uh, the best thing for the country and consumers and everybody's maximizing profits for these firms. Like, well, what do you think is going on there? I mean, I, th- I think the DOT is like kind of been perceived for a long time to be a pretty captured regulator and a pretty ineffective regulator. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I guess it would be maybe somewhat tough to, to just instantly change that overnight, but, you know, we're seeing, you know, all these other, you know, there are some regulatory bodies in the Biden administration that are doing like, a pretty, pretty impressive job. Like the federal trade commission, you know, just, just this week um, announced that they're going to move to ban non-competes which, you know, affect workers, uh, non-compete agreements. Like it affects, they affect workers across all sectors um, and and particularly like low wage workers. You know, it's not just these like high paid corporate executives who are, who are uh, barred from, from flipping industries or or flipping jobs. Right. As we've discussed on the show, uh, there's some places where Jimmy John's will make their delivery drivers sign nine competes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really ridiculous. So, you know, you're seeing other agencies kind of step up, you know, you're seeing the national labor relations board. They have a a really active general counsel, Jenna Bruzzo. um, And it's, it's, you know, it is they're actually doing some stuff to to attempt to crack down on, you know, these massive union busting campaigns by companies like Starbucks um, and, and Amazon. You know, they've been they've they've definitely are trying their best or at least, you know, making making an effort. Um, but, you know, the DOT is not has not we've not seen that from them. And, you know, I, I, I do think maybe some of its ideology. Um, but, you know, the, the thing is, and you kind of did allude to this. Buttigieg had no real transportation experience or, or experience running any kind of like massive agency. He ran a he ran a relatively small city, um, and and not one with that's a that's a super like or that's known for having you know the best transit system in the country or anything like that. Like, mm. th- th- there's there's a real kind of question of like why the hell he was picked for this. Um, 
you know, and it's it's probably one of those questions that you're not supposed to ask. But like, no, he he really did have no experience. Like, he wasn't he wasn't a qualified pick. Are we supposed to just not think it was for uh, ending his campaign and turning on Bernie Sanders on Super Tuesday at the right time? That's kind of <laughs> yeah, a victor's yeah, spoils situation. <laughs> I mean, you can think that. That seems like the obvious answer. Uh, but, you know, thinking that is, is you know, relitigating the 2020 primary. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we have it in our minds. We, like uh, <laughs> a- anyone anyone to the left of, uh, of, of Joe Biden is, is uh, you know, just, just can't, can't really let it go. But yeah, no, you're right. Like he clearly was picked a, as a. As I a, force a, it out of my mind like seventy five percent of the times. But then after <laughs> we're discussing Pete Buttigieg years later on and how he has uh, no experience with transportation and yet is in charge of every vehicle in the country, it just <laughs> comes flooding back in a horrible monsoon. Yeah, I mean, look, I you know as someone who you know, writes about the healthcare industry. Like, I don't think I'll ever forget Pete Buttigieg's, you know, Medicare for all who want it. Just, just the <laughs> fakest, fakest campaign m- mantra ever. Like just, just something that's designed to completely deflect from, you know, the issue at hand, which is like, we do not have choice in our healthcare system. Like that is the problem today. Like that, that is a problem. And, 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 and obviously the, the broader problem is that like, Everyone probably does want health care. Like everyone does want to be able to go to the doctor and, um, you know, be able to afford it and and and, and not have to, like, you know, uh, try to try to figure out, like, is this going to be covered? How much am I going to get? Am I going to get financially destroyed for going to the hospital? Like, but yeah, he, he, he played a giant, um, you know, a giant role in really poisoning the kind of conversation around around uh, health care reform in this country. And. You know, that's something I won't forget personally. Well, I th- I hear he's introducing uh, plane fares for all who want it, where you you can either get a straight up plane ticket uh, and pay an extra hundred dollars, or you get a mystery box where maybe you'll get a plane ticket, or maybe you'll just waste all right two hundred dollars on on nothing. I'm be- a gambling man. All right, yeah, do it next holiday season. It's coming uh, if he's still there, which yeah. is my next question. Uh, this is something that occurred to me last week as I was stranded in Pittsburgh, sitting in the airport there for an extra hour because uh, LaGuardia, this may have been weather related. I'm still not totally sure. It may have just been an organization problem, but they grounded, they deplaned us in Pittsburgh for about an hour. And I was thinking there, like, there's no way Pete Buttigieg lasts into 2023 because you're, as you're alluding to, there's kind of this unevenness in the Biden administration where some agencies and officials are taking regulation very seriously uh, and others are not. And and Pete Buttigieg would be in the not column. Do you think he lasts or is he going to be um, off with his head, uh, metaphorically, of course, in uh, in the new year? Oh, I, I think he lasts. I, I think there's too much... Um you know, in D.C., there's too many people uh, in, in Democratic politics who are who have some stake in him, you know, being a national or remaining like a national candidate in the future. Um, you know, that's why he was picked. This is like a resume pattern. And, you know, the other the other thing is like he probably if, if he actually cracks down on airlines and to, to some kind of, you know, meaningful degree, like he, he probably would actually be regarded as some kind of fucking hero. Not that, not that he would deserve it, but you could kind of see it. Yeah. And that's the thing is his, his rhetoric has overall been pretty good, not just on, on airlines where he's been just kind of making stuff up, 
but on highways as well, where he's talked about the legacy of, of American highways uh, displacing particularly uh, black neighborhoods. Um, but his actions overall, has, has he followed through in, in other areas too? Has, has the, have the actions met the words uh, in, in the other parts of his, his ambit of his job? Yeah, not, not that I can really tell. It seems, you know, more like he's just this kind of national, you know, figure who, who the Biden administration couldn't put on TV. And they could have him, you know, succeed on late night TV and, um, you know, more of a more of a show horse than a workhorse is what it seems like so far. Just a beautiful show horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess one more kind of stupid political question, if I may, about Pete is: Do you think there's anything to these rumors that he's angling for a uh, a Senate seat uh, from from Michigan? I mean, you could see it. Um, you could definitely see that happening. Um, not really sure why he moved to Michigan. You know, at least uh, on a technical level. Um, though I would assume he spends most or all of his time in, in the Washington area. Um, but you know, he did. I mean, you, he actually did respond to a question about that the other day, saying that he's focused on his job, which is you know kind of the the standard answer every uh, <laughs> every college football coach gives right before he goes <laughs> to the NFL. <laughs> you got to hustle. You got to bring home the gold. That's what we're yeah. doing here. Him and Harbaugh are probably in their, their huddle discussing the future. Um, well, I guess let's end on a, a more positive and, and constructive note, hopefully. Uh, what can what can people do about this? I know you've linked to a, a petition surrounding this. Uh, there's several organizations um, talking about uh, consumer rights in this area. What, what do you think are the real uh, levers, if you will, of, of action uh, we can use to, to straighten out this this fiasco? Sure. Um, well, so the Department of Transportation, um, you know, proposed this uh, refund rule. Um, you know, uh, comment submissions were supposed to be in already, but they've they've been keeping it open. They keep posting comments, um, and and you know, I think people can. We have a petition that we've or we have a letter that we're we're uh, that the lever at the lever that we are asking people to sign. Um, but you know, you could also send your own letter. Um, and I, I do think this is an area where public pressure really can. Um, really can make a difference because, you know, we're seeing it like, you know, I think we were kind of alone early in, uh, in calling out, you know, uh, to calling out Buttigieg and the Department of Transportation for really kind of failing on the job. But it's, you know, I think I do think there's national pressure here. And, and you know, we're seeing just again, just the other day, the, the DOT announced that they're going to look at um, changing up the the fines that they impose on airlines for avoidable cancellations. And I think that, uh, you know, shows that, public pressure can work here. And I I think people just really got to keep it up and and keep talking. Well, Andrew Perez, thank you again for joining us. Uh, Where can people find you and your work? Sure. Uh, So I work for The Lever uh, at levernews.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Andrew Perez DC. That was Andrew Perez. That's right. The uh, fresh maker. He was giving us the inside scoop on Capitol Hill, where a bill becomes a law. Uh, did they ever teach the ABCs in Schoolhouse Rock? They must have. They must have done something like that. Although, I mean, by the point where they're explaining how a bill becomes a law, I think it's kind of assumed you know the ABCs. That's pretty advanced. 
Right. You're learning government structures. Yeah. But you know what? That was then. This is now. Our children are not learning at the same rate as they were in the 70s or whenever that came out. Is our children so learning? No. That's the, the essential question. And uh, Hakeem Jeffries, my congressman actually, uh, now the House Minority Leader, has taken it upon himself to teach the ABCs sure. to the children of the nation and to Congress. Um, just to, doesn't know how to spell. Just to contextualize this, we were voting for a House Speaker this week. Do you hear about this? You read about this? Several times, yes. Yeah. Um, it's like 15 different votes. The Republican delegates could not pick who was going to be their House Speaker, and they had to vote on it four ti- 14 times. And I spaced out for the entire thing, but it's over now, and we can move on. Uh, Kevin McCarthy has been elected. Hakeem Jeffries, Hakeem Jeffries yes. had a powerful speech to give during this long block of confrontation, of conflict, of confusion, of circumstance, of, of pomp. All, and that's just the seeds. Don't forget the pomp. Yeah, and not and also pomp, pomp as well. And uh, this is we wanted to break down this important speech. This is an emerging figure in the Democratic Party. He's kind of seen as the uh, the torchbearer for the departing Nancy Pelosi. Hakeem Jeffries gave a speech. There were hundreds of these during the week. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Every every week there's many speeches. This week there were many in the House of Representatives. And this one was given. Uh, some call it a speech. I don't know if it should be considered that or not. But I just want to break it down. and go, So essentially he goes through every letter of the alphabet and what uh, he's going to bring to uh, Congress with his, with his participation and inspire others. And I want, to, I want to see what the examples are, what we're learning. We'll always put American values over autocracy. I thought it was going to say autism. over bigotry. The Constitution over the cult. All right, so we're through the letter C. You're already missing autism. The crowd is lukewarm on this at the beginning. You can tell they're kind I of... I know that was one of the options. <laughs> Authority over autism. A dark uh, note to begin gonna, this speech. We're going to do autism awareness over authoritarianism. <laughs> uh, all right. The, the, we're only through the first three letters. Let's get through this. Democracy over demagogues. Economic opportunity over extremism. Freedom over fascism. Governing over gaslighting. Hopefulness over hatred. The guy juicing him up in the background of this clip has a big apology to give the rest of us here because I, this is not cool. I guarantee you that guy works for Hakeem Jeffries. <laughs> yeah, he probably, like, before he went up, was like, I'm going to need some backup on this one. They are not going to be on board when I start doing the alphabet. Inclusion over isolation. Justice over judicial overreach. Knowledge over kangaroo courts. This is the one I have the biggest objection to, I think. Yeah, because he's using the silent K to lead into the regular K, the K. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it's kangaroo. Kangaroo is half. Of, it's a two-word combo in a way, right? I mean, it, you got. It's hard to find a positive K, and I guess knowledge <laughs> jumped out. I would love if he would <laughs> he would do the Mortal Kombat thing, the combat with a K. <laughs> Words that don't have K regularly, but now they have K. <laughs> Knowledge over Mortal Kombat. What if he had said that and just kept going? <laughs> we must stop Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Liberty over limitation. Maturity over Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Normalcy 
the fucking look on his face for this too. I hate that it's killing. I mean, I think I Mar-a-Lago hate that it's killing. Mar-a-Lago is all about maturity. If you look at the age of <laughs> That's true. It's a very know. mature place. Over negativity. Opportunity over obstruction. People over politics. All right, so we're around halfway through, by the way. <laughs> part a small part of me expecting to say people over profits because I'm so used to that little colloquialism. Too easy. But, but they're going to hold him back on that. Also, he's all he, yeah. about <laughs> profits. That is not something he would say in Washington D.C. Quality of life issues over QAnon. <laughs> Reason. <laughs> That's a, that's a mouthful. Quality of life issues. Air. Food. Over racism. Substance over slander. Triumph over tyranny. Understanding over ugliness. He does appreciate that he has to get through it quickly. Yeah. Because there's a and, lot of letters. And the audio doesn't quite capture the hand movements. No. He's doing. He's... This is a man who is very proud of himself. You have, you have to be able to see it to believe it. He put that one point over when during kangaroo courts, he actually he puts his thumb on his nose and does the clown thing. Like, right. I mean, we should appreciate that the flexibility of the English language allows for only 26 letters, because if you have a more rigid language, like if you were doing all the sounds of a hiragana or something, he would have to do 52 examples and it, we would be here for some time. <laughs> <laughs> Voting rights over voter suppression. Working families over the well-connected. Xenial over xenophobia. Xenial? What's xenial? What? Xenial. I'm going to type it in. Let's look up xenial real quick. I take it that's X-E-N-I-A-L. Yeah, A lot of people Googling this right now. Xenial meaning. Hospitable. Okay, that's. I don't think that's a. It, it describes itself very well if you're a language speaker in English. Mister Thesaurus takes it to Washington Square. Goes to Washington Center with his book of words. He could have done. Yes, we can. Over, you can't do it. I do like that. There's a mix of booze in here yeah. too. Just people are like, <laughs> stop it. Zedial. <laughs> Stop teaching me words! <laughs> and zealous representation over zero-sum confrontation. Zero-sum confrontation? That was the last thing? I do not want to be a part of the Democratic Party anymore. He could have done... I don't want to do any more entryism if this well, is going to be what it's about. <laughs> this is no, no good for me. X-Ray? Xbox? Xenial was fine. Zenial is one of the better examples. But why are we doing it? Does anybody question the structures we're in here, where we have to list all the letters? I mean, he wants to be known as the, you know, the guy Mr. from... Mr. Letters. <laughs> the guy from Bed-Stuy. Uh-huh. The congressman, the gentleman from Bed-Stuy is, what he, is the image he's trying to procure here. So he... Replacing uh, Chris Rock in America's mind. Yeah, he, you know. And he, I think he has like a mural of... Biggie in his office or something like that. That sounds like a thing he would have. Yeah. Sure. He points at that one. People come in. He says, look at this zenial fellow I have there. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi could never. I also believe Nancy Pelosi could have a big mural. Of, I think everyone in the Democratic Party should have a big mural of Biggie Smalls on their wall just to be like, look, this is what we're about here. We're spreading love the Democratic Party way. <laughs> Yeah, so that's probably the highlight of my week would be that guy talking for so long. And that's what's been going on with the 
Speaker of the House vote. I didn't. I, do, I don't really understand what's happening, and I would <laughs> like to salute all of the speakers out there who voted it up. Yeah, it was it was pretty entertaining. There were several points where you know. People had confrontations because it has been noted C-SPAN was allowed. They got free reign because there was no speaker. So there's no one to set the rules on what C-SPAN can and can't film. So they saw Democrats talking to Republicans, which actually happens all the time. And um, somebody putting a hand in another guy's face when he was trying to confront Kevin McCarthy. Uh, and then a very funny moment. Uh, apparently, there's yeah, there, there's some guy who gets up and says, um, you know, they're they're voting for the umpteenth time, and he's like, "I vote for Kevin Hearn." Boo, boo. Yeah, I mean, if I was on day four <laughs> of doing this, uh, it's supposed to be kind of a ceremonial, you know, process of crowning your next guy for the party that's supposed to function together. I would also be annoyed in boo at a uh, little tricks like that. But yeah. um, also I hate these people and I like that they were miserable. Fair enough. I think that's about the news of the week. Uh, we're, we're coming at you live here from my kitchen. Uh, Anders, what do you this got going? Live. Yeah, well, it's live for me. <laughs> Um, I got some stuff in the works, but I'm um, not plugging it quite yet. So, uh, but just follow me at Andersley here on Twitter. Um, same name on TikTok, which I'm now back on. Yeah, Anders is getting big into TikTok. He's doing dances. He's doing uh, funny characters. What's your new direction with TikTok? Well, I'm I'm doing this character called Anders Lee. Okay. It sometimes has stand up clips on TikTok. Does he have a girlfriend? He does have a girlfriend. All right. I'm on board. Uh, you can follow me at Patak Test Kitchen on Twitter. I'll put all of my things there. Or you can go to, you know what? I said this on another podcast. I have a link tree now. You can find all my links on my link tree at alexpatak.com. That's where all of my stuff is. I should have told everybody earlier. And uh, go find Jake. He's in a laundromat somewhere, and he might be near you if you're in the middle of the country or wherever he went now. Um We'll have him give you a call sometime soon. Check out Jake. Check out Jake. This this plug is for Jake Flores on the Jake Flores podcast. Until next time, I'll see you at Washington, D.C. It's finished.